Welcome to a special edition of the Urban Wire, brought to you by the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, where we shine a light on issues impacting the urban community. Tonight, we bring to you an interview that we conducted back in 2008 by yours truly, Seneca Harris, as I interviewed author Terrence Dean, the author of Hiding in Hip Hop, as he discusses um, through a memoir about the down-low culture in Hollywood. And not only in Hollywood, but in the world of hip-hop. Here's how that interview went. Hello, this is Seneca Harris. Um, once again, we're back with part two of our download series. Um, this is the Urban Coalition, where we shine a light on issues impacting the urban community. Today, we have the privilege and the honor to talk to author Terrence Dean. Um, he's the writer of Hiding in Hip-Hop. Um, like I said, it's really a pr privilege to have you today. Um, we're going to continue our um, discussion about 
this issue that's impacting our community, um, and we really need to get this dialogue out here. So, first of all, we want to um, thank you for being on. Um, I guess our first, before we jump into the book, I guess I want to, you know, can you um, let everyone know a little bit about yourself and um, and how you came about, you know, to the point to where you felt comfortable discussing this issue and where this, you know, idea of coming out to tell everybody, how did that come about? Okay. Uh, well, thank you for having you know, the interview. I appreciate you reaching out to me. Uh, the type of our issue as it relates to our community. Um, a little about myself, I, you know, um, at the, this is my second book. My first book is called Reclaim Your Power, A 30-Day Guide to Hope, Healing, and Inspiration for Men of Color. And that's an you know, inspirational book for men of color. And then hiding hip-hop on the download entertainment industry for music to Hollywood is my second book. And I wanted to you know, it's a memoir of my life that chronicles my journey um, from childhood to adulthood, uh, my experiences as it relates to uh, my sexuality in the black community, and also working within a very homophobic environment, which is called hip-hop. So I talk about my struggle and my journey within that culture and that lifestyle. Um, of hip-hop and entertainment industry and the turmoil and a lot of the pain and a lot of things that I went through um, struggling with my sexuality not being able to reveal who I really was mm -hmm. but also meeting other men and women who were also dealing with the same issues and challenges that I was dealing with so I really wanted to write the book because I wanted to bring light to um, the the download subculture, gay subculture that exists in hip hop, how even though there are many of us who are part of this culture and lifestyle uh, of hip hop, we are contributors of it. However, we are the, you know, we get lambasted by the rappers and the artists who make up this, this industry. So, you know, we're not respected. Um, just so much as like, you know, black women are always degraded in this industry as well. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about sex and sexuality. I thought it was important when we began a dialogue talking about it within our community because we don't talk, discuss it. That's why we look at the numbers of HIV and AIDS in our community. We're the largest and most affected community um, within the United States and across the country, rather. So I want to bring that to it, bring light to that attention as well. And mm -hmm. dialogue that is so desperately needed within our community, and this hopefully um, help people to understand um, those who are dealing with their sexual sexuality what it, what it's like, and also to bring an understanding and enlightenment to how we can start furthering that dialogue and mm -hmm. decrease the incidences of homophobia. Okay. Yeah, I was going to tell you, I, I really um, I picked the book up and I read it, and I was very impressed. Um, and like I tell everybody, if, you, if you're just looking to buy the book just to find out, you know, who's gay and who's not, I mean, you're kind of missing the point because really we got a sense of where you came from and your personal struggle. And it was kind of like, you know, to me, it was more like a uplifting, powerful means of, you know, helping other people in your similar situation. And that's what I pretty much took from the book. And it, and to me, I think people should really um, check it out because um, it's very inspirational. Um, from stories I hear and from people I personally know, I mean, it's um, you hear, hear a lot of the same things. So you know it's really coming from someone that knows what they're talking about and that's been there and been through the struggle. So I guess my next question is, what criticisms have you received from black entertainment? Because I know you touched on not only the hip-hop commun community, but as far as Hollywood is concerned and um, just other black sec sectors of, you know, entertainment and music and things like that. So have you really um, had a lot of criticism, and did you take that into account before writing the book? Well, before the book, I contacted all of the people who are in the book. Actually, in the book, and let's go. I was writing the book. So they 
they had it, so they knew they were a part of the book. It wasn't a big secret. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, it was interesting. The criticism that I have received from the book are not from people who work in entertainment. It's the fans of the entertainment industry right. who have the most criticism. Because we in the entertainment industry, we know this is We know there are, you know, gay men and women who are in front of the camera and behind the camera. Right. We, we go to their home. criticisms like what were some of the successes with the book and um, where do you see this success leading and like have you been contacted by a lot of you know you know many organizations like I mean to come out and speak and stuff like that has that led to um, future endeavors you think parts in the books I have a, I just have so much that I, so many questions I have but we're going to kind of narrow it down um, I know when you started off in the book you really discussed how you know your early life how that kind of molded who you were and kind of the, the you know the trials that you had to overcome so um, how did you, and I know you discussed your mother in the book and I think that was very, very powerful and how, how your grandmother was like a uh, pillar to you, you know. But how did your mother, I know you said, mentioned how she came down with um, with the HIV AIDS virus. How did that affect you as a young man, you know, growing up? Like, and did, did that kind of affect your future relationships with women? Because I know I read in the book how, you know, you kind of compared some of your... Um, your um, relationships to your mother. So, do you think they had a parallel with, you know, relationships with women and stuff like that? Well, I, I, I'm not necessarily thinking about my relationships with women. I think it just affects my relationships overall with okay. people. Because, like I said in the book, the one thing that I always yearned for was my mother's love. Uh-huh. And I had never heard my mother ever say she loved me or even display any kind of love towards me. Not until you know, she had gotten really ill from the HIV virus. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for those who you know, have a written book like that, or what now be familiar, but my mother, you know, as you mentioned, that she was a heroin addict and she was a prostitute. So that affected me as a young boy because, you know, none of my friends, I, I mean, I grew up in a very normal neighborhood. So when you grew up in a normal environment and then something is out of the norm, and which is someone who's a prostitute, you know, it was very disheartening. It was, you know, I prayed 
kind of touch briefly on the church and like how you you said you like um the men in the church were labeled like um church queens and stuff like that but um what do you feel about like homosexuality in the black church and how there's a lot of hypocrisy in the black church because i did an interview with alexis tyler some months back and we discussed this and how there's a lot of um hip- hypocrisy in the black church how we condemn homosexuality, but yet you have a lot of the choir directors, a lot of the preachers um, sleeping around with other men on the side. And not only that, you look in the gospel music com- industry and stuff like that, and you and you see a lot of men that are living this double life. So what role do you think the church is playing in this, and, um, and what role do you think they have played in this, and how can we, you know, as a religious community, um, at least open up the dialogue and look into this issue without being judgmental. That's a very hard and loaded question, and it would involve, you know, a huge, you know, um, undertaking to have that conversation and have ministers to be open to have that conversation, as you mentioned. You know, when the black the black church is I'm not going to go to the gay club. I'm not going to 
Um, so I was wondering because I know you mentioned this in the book as well about you kind of broke it down to like the different types of DL men. Like you had like category, I believe, DL gay men, gay men, and like um, just men that are gay. My question is like, um, what is the difference between someone that's in in the closet versus someone that is bisexual versus someone that is on the down low? You know, for those who may not know the lingo, because there's a lot of people that may not understand what that is. So, can you like give your personal opinion about the differences between that? Well, I think the closet and the down low are one. Well, okay, okay, there are some differences. A bisexual man is a man who has sexual relationships. A bisexual man or woman is someone who has sex with the same sex, but they also have sex with the opposite sex. Right. So, they, for them, it's not, they find pleasure in having sex with both. They are not, they don't want to choose, they don't want to have to make a choice. They enjoy having sex with, bo- with both sexes. Mm-hmm. And most instances, sometimes they will even tell their partners that they're bisexual. They will even reveal that, hey, you know, I like having sex with both sexes. Uh-huh. A download man is a man who has sex, who has, who, 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 he is in the art of deception because he's a man who is involved with a woman, either he's married or he has a girlfriend in a committed relationship, but he's secretly having sex with other men without letting the woman know about his sexuality. That's a downable man. He's deceiving her into believing that's something that he is not and that he is faithful, committed to the to the monogamy or heterosexual relationship that he's involved with the woman. Mm-hmm. A man who's in a closet is a man who has identified and understands and knows that he's gay and has sexual or he has a sexual attraction for other men. However, he would never divulge that information to the other people outside of his immediate circle, like close friends. Or maybe a parent may know. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like his job may not know, you know, and he's not, but he's and he's not in the art of deception of deceiving women because he's not going to sleep with a woman. Cause he's right, not right. With women, it's he more just wants to sleep with men. It's more but like a professional. If he's gay, yeah, he would deny it. So he's in the closet. But obviously, a gay man is a man who lives his life openly as such. Well, he's involved with men. He he has no desire to be with a woman. He only sleeps with men. He you know he hangs out in gay clubs at the gay community. Like he's actively involved and in living the gay lifestyle. So that's okay now. Yeah. So, um, with that being said, I was also uh, wondering when we discuss down low, and especially when we, you know, uh, look at the media and their portrayal of this, you know, whole new down low thing, since it's been going on since the beginning of time. But to me, what what are your feelings about it? You know, as far as like black versus white, do you think that you know the media has tried to put a black face to a problem that is also prevalent in the white community as well? Because I noticed so many times when you hear that term, like okay, you know when you when you hear a white man, it's just like oh they're just in the closet, and you know it's not a big deal, but. Like, when it's demonized, there's always a black face to it. So, what are your feelings on that? But you're absolutely right. Like, I mean, people get the word download, they automatically see and think of black men. Mm-hmm. However, download is just not. I mean, people, I think, are smarter or should be smarter to know. Download is not just regulated to the black community. You know, the white man, Asian man, Hispanic man, Indian, like every other culture and lifestyle of men or women. Um, and, and again, down low is nothing, it's not a color, but it, it, it is a an act 
probably get this question a whole lot you know get this question a great deal but like what signs can you give women uh, what I mean you know like how what should women do especially when they're when they're dating someone because I know personally some of the most straightest acting men could you know sneak around and do this so what are some of the, you know, the, the signs that you can tell women to protect themselves against this? You know, should, and how should they approach their man if they feel that this is something that they're doing? You know, and what, what is the importance of them doing this? What is the, the importance of them researching this guy's past and, you know, getting tested and things of that nature? Since we do have a higher rate of HIV in our community, what is the importance of women researching that and what kind of, you know, tips you can give them, you know, first of all, I think they need to read the book. I, I really suggest them to read, you know, the book, but what can you give personally that would help them with this? Well, unfortunately, there are no signs that I can find a download man. Uh-huh. Next to the phone, the number, just 
little woman off. Or is it for the initials? You know? Or is it for cuz? You know? Or bruh? The woman, you know, going through the phone may not, you know, to her she won't think anything about it. But that's a call for him. You know, like he knows who to go to on his phone. You know, um, I would tell women, if a man introduces you to several different men, um, you know, within the trip, like if, if, you, if your man is constantly introduced you to different men every other month or every other couple of months, never and other then one. those men are never around again, yeah, I would be curious, you know, like, what happened to you? you know, cause Such I was, a cause I was yeah. that guy. I, yeah, that's kind of suspicious anyway. I mean, you know, so... Yeah, that's uh, yeah. That would seem kind of suspicious, you know. I mean, if this is a, a friend, first of all, you you know, you call somebody friend. I mean, to me, when I think of a friend, I think of someone that hey, I'm gonna be familiar with this person because you know right. they, they come around on a constant basis. But if you're seeing this person right. for such a short period of time, I guess that would be a red flag. I was because right, I've been the friend that you know guys introduced to their girlfriend. Oh, this is my boy. You know, he worked in the entertainment industry. You know what I'm saying? I was always the boy. Yep. But it was only be, I only be around for, you know, Mr. Drummond once or twice, you know, a couple of times. After that, I'd never see her again. But he's, the introduction makes her feel like, oh, well, that's one of his boys. If he's saying he's hanging out with talents, she's not thinking anything about it because she met me. <laughs> but then she hasn't seen me. Or, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, after three months or six months. I don't see her anymore. So she's doing questions. Oh, what happened to your boy Terrence? Like, you never talk about him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, some good advice. Um, so, here, here's another question I know you probably get a lot, too. Do you think that the rise of or the high levels of HIV, you think there's a correlation between the DL things? I know I hear a lot of this goes on in Atlanta, down south and stuff like that. And I hear a the urban myth. I don't. I don't even really know if it's a myth or urban legend. But do you think that the DL phenomenon is that a direct? Is there a direct correlation between that and the high levels of HIV amongst black females? Do you do you feel that that's correct? Because I don't really think there's any official um, study out there that can prove that, but I think that's the common belief amongst a lot of people, so what are your thoughts on that? Well, the CDC has done some studies okay. and have released information okay. and have stated that, you know, they don't call it, the, the men that they have studied, they don't call them download, they call them MSM, meaning men who have sex with men, because the download men don't identify as gay. Right. And they don't identify as down low. So they have men who have sex with men, uh, but also have wives and girlfriends. So they okay. released a study, um, I think twice, that there has been some correlation between men who have sex with other men and how that has been a contributing factor of the HIV rise in black women. Okay. And black women because they ask the men like would well, you have unprotected sex and they say yes and they say would well, you have unprotected sex with women and they say yes so they saw that those correlations have been contributing factors to the rise in HIV and women yeah. now I've, I've heard like this and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong um, I guess they what's that show that Ice-T did like a um, he used to play the cop or something like that Law and Order I believe I guess they had a particular episode episode on there talking about, you know, men living on the down low. They had a case on there. And I guess I, I, I'm believing I got it from this particular episode when they were saying how the, this explain why men don't necessarily protect themselves because I guess that's a way of them admitting to being gay or bisexual. I mean, have you heard that argument before? Yes, I mean, I, I mean, I know lots of men do that. Don't get put on the time because I mean, I'm gay. Right. Yeah, so they don't, a lot of men don't. That's why they don't do condoms. Or, you know, like, he looks cool. You know what I'm saying? That's their argument. Well, he looks like, he looks straight. You know what I'm saying? Like, he looks like a good dude, so I'm not, why would I wear condoms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, also in the book, I guess you, you know, you kind of just, describe the DL scene 
from like you know um, from the East Coast standpoint and from the West Coast standpoint. So what were some of the differences and some of the you know similarities and differences between the East Coast and the West Coast and like how difficult was it determining who was on the down low and who wasn't and what were some of the dangers of you know maybe going there with the wrong person you know and um, do you kind of think that it's kind of like a secret society or like a, a community within itself of individuals that kind of watch out for each other and you know protect each other and you know um, things of that nature yes it is a secret society on the question I asked earlier. Do you think that we are more that the DL phenomenon, is it more um, prevalent in the black community? Because I, I, I kind of feel that with the white community, homosexuality is more accepted. I mean, it's easier to be a white gay male and come out of the closet. And I'm not saying that they don't have issues either. But it seems like it's more socially acceptable for a white person or white male, make even white females, to come out and say, hey, I'm gay, I'm lesbian. So do you think that this is something that really impacts us the most? Because, you know, like you said earlier, the church has been a pillar. And a lot of, you know, blacks have been raised up with the idea, you know, oh, this is immoral, this is wrong. So do you think this is something that really impacts us the most as a community? Yeah, I think it impacts the black and Hispanic community. Yeah. Um, much more so than, as like you said, the white community, our white counterparts. But even, you know, even Indian culture or Asian culture, it impacts them just as much as well. Oh, yeah. they can't just come out due to their, you know, cultural um, um, lifestyle and cultural upbringing as well. So, but I don't think that, you know, it's much more prevalent and down low men in the black gay community than any other community. I just think that we who are black our struggles are we know that yeah. it's our experience because we're black. Uh -huh. so we don't, we're not white. We're not Asian. We're right. not Hispanic. So we don't know what, what that number could be for them. But I've heard you know, from my other counterparts and friends who are different ethnicities you know, say and talk about the down low communities where they come from and the men that they've been with. So mm -hmm. it's just as prevalent. So I right. think there's like a, you know, a different number yeah and I've uh, and I had a you know a few more couple questions um so I had a dis I had a discussion with one of my uh, female friends and I was wondering um what do you think about this she she kind of feels and I've heard this from other people that fraternities I know you mentioned that 
in the book too. Do you think a lot of these fraternities are they're like quote unquote rest haven rest havens for a lot of DL people, a lot of DL men? Is that is that more prevalent than a lot of people think um, in a lot of fraternities? And I don't know, maybe in sororities too. But do you think that's kind of any well, truth I mean, behind that? It'll be, it'll be the same if we were talking about police officers. We were talking about you know the sports field. You know, yeah. basketball players, football, you know, those who play sports. You know, uh, any player, you have to be in an environment where it is, um, you know, like, for instance, you know, the fraternity is all about being macho and male and hard. Um, the hot just does on the ego, even in sports. So people don't necessarily think um, gay or down low can be a part of that culture. Um but yet, you know, there are a lot of men who are part of it. They just suppress who they are. Right, right. In order to acclimate into those environments. Like mm-hmm. I talked about me and my fraternity, I had suppressed who I was. Right. To be acclimated into my fraternity. But I also thought it would be a way for me to be around men and maybe hopefully I won't think about men. I didn't use it as a scapegoat or a way to say, well, how can we other down with men let me join a fraternity? It was just more or less like, wow. I don't want to be dating this for me around more hard, you know, macho, you yeah. know, men. Then maybe, you know, I won't have the desires any longer. Yeah. I mean, I, I found that one story. It was amusing, like, that, um, that, that situation you described in the book about how one of your friends, like, um, was outed to his girlfriend and how he, he almost killed himself, you know, yeah. over that. And how and it, it was really ironic how him and his girlfriend ended back together even after all this. And how you how you mentioned in the book how a lot of women they'll even know they'll they'll know that their men are doing this, but they don't want to face the embarrassment or they don't want right. to face the ridicule of that. And I really thought that was really fascinating to hear that. But right. I mean, I've even heard of similar situations to like where women will know that their men are are messing around but they're so to me they're they're low their self esteem is so low and they want to be with somebody so bad that they'll settle for that and and it's not because that they're messing around with men too it's just the fact that they're cheating period and I think a lot of women have low self esteem when it comes to that they'll accept anything you know so and I and you know and and it's really fascinating because you know before I you know I used to think, well, dang, you know, a woman, woman knows their man's messing around. I think they would just kick him to the curb. But a lot of women today are even, they're, they're encouraging their men to be, um, I, I know a friend of mine, his, his, he's married, and um, he's a younger guy, and his wife, both both him and his wife are bisexual, and they have an agreement to, like, where, you know, they can sleep with the same sex, but they have to be present. So, I mean, you see things like that, and it's a lot, it, and to me, it's, like, hard to understand, because there's a lot more women today that are open to it. So, I mean, um, what do you think about that? I mean, do you think that women are starting to become more sexually open, or do you think some women just have low self-esteem and they'll accept anything, or? I think if women are presented with the information, I think a lot of them can make a choice. I think it, when you're down low, it you you rid the woman of the opportunity of having the to, to, to making a choice in the matter. Right. And I think that's unfair to ever to rob someone of the choice. Now a lot of women have always said, you know, I want to know, and if you do, tell me, right. so then I can make a choice on whether or not I want to stay in this situation. Uh-huh. And some women say, yeah, I may stay. And some women say, no, I won't. But you have to allow the person the opportunity. To make the choice, and I think unfortunately, when we deal with down low men, we they they rob the women of the opportunity, and thus these women that feel deceived. Like you know, no one wants them to be be deceived, but feel like they you know if the deception has occurred, they lie to. Like that's not a relationship. Nobody wants to be in that type of relationship. If you're honest with me up front and you tell me and you allow me to say, hey, you know, this is what I'm into, and you know, I I really want to be with you and. Can you handle that? You know, some of them might say yes. You know, like right. my friend, you know, like we talk about in the book. Now that she had the information, like it's what she had to go through to get the information, she made a choice. She went back to him. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's, for, you know, like, you know, sometimes it can't be to do to, you know, I don't want to say it's both separate things because maybe, she, you know, she probably was okay with it. Like, yeah. I don't know what yeah. her mental faults were. Right, right. So, but, you know, I think someone may, you know, may suffer from those things and they're in denial. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to, you know, they don't know how to leave. They're afraid to walk away because they feel, they feel a need to have a man because in society, women are conditioned and trained to feel that they need to have a man in order to live and survive and make it in the world. So there's so many other factors that play a part of that. Okay, we have a few quick more questions. So overall, um, after writing this book and after going through, uh, you know, your different experiences, do you think this has made you a stronger person? And how do you identify yourself today? Are you still... um, physically attracted to women or are you still like emotionally attracted to both sexes or how do you define yourself today and do you do you think it's okay for people to do, define themselves according to their own standards I think people should be able to define themselves according to their own standards I think you know unfortunately living in the world people have to be labeled I think that's what download men refuse to accept being gay because I understand the mindset of a download man because I once was a download man. Right. And I would never admit that I was gay. And my friends used to always say, you're gay, you're gay, you're gay, go ahead and admit it. I'm like, but I'm not. Right. Because I am still attracted to women. Mm-hmm. Like, even today, I am, even, I'm physically attracted to women, I just will not sleep with a woman because I know I would not want to do that to her, to put her in a situation where I'm sleeping with her and a man. Right. Now, I can make that choice and then tell the woman and have, allow her the opportunity to say, okay, well, fine, I'm cool with that. But I just wouldn't do that. Uh-huh. And so I'm comfortable with myself. It has made me a much stronger person writing this book. You know, I've embraced who I am. You know, I'm a child of God. I'm loved. You know, I know what it's like to be loved, to have love. And, you know, all that has, everything I went through and experienced has really truly built me and made me the man who I am today. So I'm really thankful for all of those experiences and all the people who are part of my life because they helped to add and contribute to the who I am today. Mm-hmm. So without that and the grace of God, I wouldn't be who I am. Yeah. So I am truly thankful for that. So has that kind of um, built your relationship, kind of made your relationship stronger with God? And how do you deal with that being a gay black Christian? Like how do you, um, what, how did you come to terms with that and um, what is your advice to people that are struggling with this well you know take your time like you know don't let them allow or force allow anyone to force you to come out you know or admit to something that you know you're not ready to uh-huh. like I said my friends kept trying to get me to admit that I was getting out but I'm not like quit telling me to admit something that I'm not ready to admit and I'm not at that place where you are yet and I think people have to give people the opportunity to evolve because there's so many experiences and so many you know your journey and your path and your, on where you go in life it's totally different from mine so yeah. yeah it may be easy for me but it may be extremely difficult for you so I said take your time find you know pace yourself you're not in a hurry to come out you know you're not in a hurry to let the world know then fine that's you um, mm-hmm. 